Here's the thing, you could have all the free time in the world, but if you're not present, essentially you're squandering the time. You can have time, but you're regretful about something that just happened or you're yeah. worried about something that hasn't happened yet. And that's how people spend a lot of their time. And it's so painful to be in that space that oftentimes we need to distract ourselves. So then we'll start, you know, scrolling and that's how we end up wasting our time. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. We have a very, very special show with you. You heard of meditation, you heard about the benefits. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. We have America's top expert on meditation, Light Watkins. He's a teacher of probably a lot of the teachers that you've heard of. And he's really so articulate in putting the words into the most important aspects of our lives. Now, how many of you are so addicted to your phone, so addicted to scrolling? When you realize how much of a role not being present plays in anxiety and in depression, and really those two things leading to a lot of our physical diseases, our physical discomfort, we learn how important presence is. You might have heard or read the book, Power of Now, all about presence. There's a reason why it became a top seller because it brings us back to a very important moment where a lot of our health and healing begins. It's very hard to be healthy and heal if you're always in the future and anxiety and the past and depression. Now, Light Watkins has came up with his own strategies, his own steps for us to start breaking away from all the distraction. This is the show about distraction and coming back to a present moment, how to live your life more presently, how to be with your children more presently, with your partner more presently. This is fundamental, fundamental to deep connections, this is fundamental to our health. We got to find out in this world of distraction how to come back to being present. And you're going to find out all of the tips and tricks from Light Watkins. In this Knowledge Bomb, of course, I'll talk a little bit about meditation and the evidence-based benefits. I've been on and off meditating for uh, quite a while. You know, I learned about this in college and it was really helpful for me to balance all the stress from school. It was my intro into spirituality. It was in my intro into a deeper state of consciousness, a deeper state of health. It was my intro to awaken how I'm treating my body and how I treat others. Meditation has been one of the most powerful and really awe-inspiring practices that I've ever done. And it's so classic. Now, meditation for many people is not sexy. It's not supposed to be sexy, right? It's not as fancy as this, you know, yogic Pilates class where they have strobe lights and you're upside down, or it's not as fancy as this crazy new breath work. But there's a reason why it's been around for 5,000 plus years and has stood the test of time and has really been by so many teachers, the way, quote unquote. And I, I agree that there's a way and there's many other ways, but it's a really powerful way. And I'm going to attest to that for sure. So I always feel the need to talk about meditation from a deeper experience, my own experience, but also the evidence, right? I'm a doctor here. I want to talk about the evidence. Meditation started about 5,000 years in India, but it could have started right before that. You know, uh, there's many spiritual beliefs about really 
when you're in a meditative state, you're connecting to the deeper reality, the deeper state of consciousness, moving away from this illusion that we call life and coming deep, deep, deep into ourselves. I said this a few years ago on a show. My favorite quote about meditation ever is by David Lynch, one of my favorite directors who makes really weird movies out there. The thing about meditation is you become more and more you. It's all about oneness, right? Again, dissolving this illusionary world that we live in and really coming back to yourself. That is the most beautiful part. And it's often achieved through prayer, through moments of exhilaration where we're hyper-present, through sex, through moments, through giving birth, through anything that is really in that Zen altered state of consciousness where we connect to our deeper state, our reality, that's where meditation gets us. Uh, there was a, a meme out there and I saw it. It's, what is it like to meditate? And there was a bowl of milk and it was warm milk and it was a chocolate gorilla sitting in it. And then 30 minutes, you saw the gorilla just melting and then 45 minutes to an hour later, the only the head was sticking out. And an hour later, there was chocolate milk and a speech bubble said, oh, I am the universe. So ultimately you dissolve your egoic sense of self that is not you, but the identification of you into that which is you. And that's the beauty of meditation. That's really the crux of it. But I said prayer earlier, and I want you to think about this. Prayer is something that you do outside of you to some entity outside of you, whatever you believe in. Meditation is when that something that you're praying to talks to you within you. You meet yourself, your power, your creator, the driver of this human experience. And the more you meditate your awareness about life and life's truth, it begins to get blurry right? You know, when you're at the eye doctor and they're clearing up the vision test and you're starting to see the letters better, sort of like that, you begin to understand deeper who you are. Intuition strengthens your creativity, really your resilience to people around you. You're less reactive, which is really powerful. We all know the benefits of it. Its popularity has gone up and up and up. Really around since 2012, it's tripled. Children are starting to do it now. Did you know that meditation actually has physical benefits to your health? There's evidence that it's helpful for blood pressure, irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis flares, anxiety, depression, insomnia, smoking cessation. It actually strengthens your immune system in a dose response. The more you meditate, the stronger your immune system. That's crazy. Pain management, reduction of pain, management of chronic diseases, and end of life. Meditation is really important because it synchronizes your whole brain. Both hemispheres are acting as one, causing that state of awaken, relax, deep, peaceful, but your focused state. Now that's really powerful. And we see it in different studies. Meditation is so important for the brain. When it comes to neuroplasticity, the connecting of your neurons, the new connections, increasing thickness of areas of learning and memory, and meditation is actually gonna decrease the volume in the centers where you hold fear anxiety, and stress. I need to take a quick pause and talk about sleep. 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. One of my favorite brands out there, Ned, their Shut Eye Chai, is such an incredible product. It's inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition and is Ned's biggest product launch to date. It's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms, and magnesium. It's got some of the best ingredients out there wrapped in a heavenly masala chai spiced body. It's also got functional, really important ingredients for your health, like chaga, reishi, and ashwagandha that are deeply nourishing to the body to really get you off into a deep, deep sleep. Now, 
When it comes to Ned, they share all of their products, third-party testing. They have full transparency all the way from who's farming their product, where, and the extraction process. So this is why Ned has been at the top of my list for products and companies out there. Shara Chai does not contain any CBD, caffeine, melatonin, or dairy. It's part of my nightly routine. I start it a few hours after I eat dinner. It starts my rituals. I turn on my Himalayan salt lamp, warm it up, and I am getting ready for my nighttime sleep, winding down and getting, getting, getting a great, great sleep, waking up rejuvenated. Now, to discover how Shadai Chai can revolutionize your sleep, you get 15% off with the code DRG. Go to helloned.com slash DRG. Enter the code DRG at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash DRG to get 15% off in the sweetest of dreams. Summer, my favorite season is winding down and the holiday season is right around the corner. You know how fast this holiday season comes. Every year we're like, how did this come so quick? Well, I find myself getting back on track with my routine, my health really being dialed in. But if you struggle to return your health routine, there's a really valuable lesson here. We know all the majors, the eating, the exercise, but above all, sleep is so important. You're not going to feel good to exercise. You're not going to really want to eat healthy food if you're sleeping poorly. Sleep is the key to the body's rejuvenation and repair process. It controls hunger and weight loss, hormones, boosts energy levels, and really impacts countless other vital functions. A good night's sleep will improve your overall being as much as anything else. That's why I recommend taking magnesium. Magnesium is something we're so depleted in. So many of us, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers is my favorite product of all. It contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. The sleep benefits are truly remarkable. Once your sleep is optimized, you're going to find that you're able to tackle the rest of your day and all of your tasks much better. It's a game changer. Visit magbreakthrough.com slash DRG, enter the code DRG10 for 10% off of any order. This special offer is only available at magbreakthrough.com slash DRG. But meditation is wonderful at reducing this association that we have with the self-referential center, the me center. It sort of cleans it out. It reduces our connection to it. So we begin to see a we versus a me, which is really powerful. That's what really changes your experience into a more open-hearted, connected experience. You don't feel lonely because you always feel like there's more to you than you. And that's been my experience with meditation. It also helps with rumination, jumping to the past, as I said in the beginning, depression, and jumping to the future, the anxiety. My favorite part is about the neuroplasticity though. As your brain begins to change in this new state through meditation, as your mind begins to wander, it's easier to come back to that present moment that I mentioned early. One of the most incredible studies we saw in meditation was from John Hopkins. And we saw that meditation almost has an identical effect size, the strength of the phenomenon of antidepressants. In other words, it has similar effects to it. Why? Because I said the brain is plastic. It learns through stimulus. And as researchers of this study said, meditation is like brain training. It has an antidepressant effect. And if you're not training anything in the brain, the Band-Aid is to just cover it up. When you go into meditation, as I said, it increases that sense of well-being through changing in the brain, through neuroplasticity. It actually creates a new brain for you. So you have a new relationship to the world. When it comes to education, we see that meditation, when implemented in schools, reduces suspension, increases attendance, increases GPAs, improve focus and memory for children, reduction in social anxiety, 
It's actually been seen to be helpful for addiction, especially smoking cessation, as I mentioned earlier, because it changes your perspective on the craving, bringing you back to the present moment, not to that anxiety-ridden moment where you begin to need that addictive substance. There's a really cool Zen proverb that says, you should sit in meditation for 20 minutes every day unless you're too busy. Then you should sit for an hour. It's really true. You got to stop. You got to stop. You got to slow down. You got to be present. And from that space, all of a sudden, the creativity that you've been looking for, the efficiency in your work that you've been looking for comes from there. Go in a quiet room. You can put in earplugs. You can put in headphones, no distractions, and see if you could do it by yourself. You might notice that your thoughts start coming up, and that's okay. When your egoic mental monkey mind comes up online, Notice that's just you protecting yourself from really getting deeper. And that's okay. Meditation is a practice where you begin to focus your awareness into that moment, connecting, 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 and every single day becoming more focused in the present moment and letting your thoughts come, not judging them, and letting them go. Another one comes, another one goes. You can also do a guided meditation. You might play around and see which one's better for you. You might do guided one day and then do it solo the other day. I like doing it solo because I like challenging myself at listening and seeing what's coming up and going away and sort of focusing my attention. And if you're suffering with anxiety or depression, meditation has to be on your prescription pad. It has to be one of the most important prescriptions you can do for yourself because it will change your relationship in your brain with the world, with the states and the parts of your brain that are in anxiety, that are in stress, and bring you back to a more present, better overall sense of well-being. And if you're in anxiety or depression, what more can you ask for? So try it out. Start implementing meditation. That was a quick tidbit. You know, there's science behind it. It's not just the woo stuff anymore. We've actually merged both. And now we know how important it is for human health. Take 10 minutes, take 15 minutes and see if you can build that up to 20 and 30 minutes. Get quiet, connect to the body. Notice what thoughts are coming up. Don't judge them. Let them be. If another one comes up, don't judge them. Let them be. One of the favorite visuals I have is me on a cliff looking at clouds passing. And as a cloud passes, I won't grab onto it. I'll see it. I'll notice it. And then I'll let it pass. And if another one comes up, I'll do the same. Until maybe there's 99 clouds, then 80, then 70, then 50, then 40, then 10, then 2. And you get to this state of presence much quicker. Try it out. Put it in your rituals and see how powerful this ancient, ancient practices. All right, everyone, I have a very special guest. We have been connected from two degrees of separation, now one degree of separation. I got Light Watkins on the show, man. And if you don't know this guy, if you don't know, listen, Make a little coffee, make a little tea, make a little matcha, sit down, put your feet up because this is going to be a very important conversation. We're going to go from everything to relationships, personal growth, accountability. You ever hear of spiritual minimalism? Because I didn't until right before this show and we're going to go into that. This is going to blow your mind when we talk about this. Very excited to have Light Watkins, author and host of The Light Watkins Show. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you, Dr. G. Yeah, listen, I know you've been on the tour for the book. Mm-hmm. You've been on all you've been popping up left and right on my Instagram. And I go, mm-hmm. that's a gem. We gotta talk about that. That's a gem. We have to talk about that. <laughs> so now now I got the the man in the flesh over here. Yeah. And there's so much wisdom that I know that you carry in your experience, your life experience, in your work. So I'm I'm wondering to myself, how are we gonna condense this mm. to an hour to give it to the people? But one thing we were talking about off air that was really, really powerful was how 
we, you know how many people go, you know, the biggest asset is time. That's our resource. Because, you know, we're on the clock and we don't know how much time we have. But you beg to differ. Why is being present the biggest asset, the biggest resource for us as humans? Yeah, man. You know, everybody's, we're like in this constant uh, race to buy back our time. So it's all about scaling. It's all about uh, outsourcing. And here's the thing. You could have all the free time in the world, but presence is important because that's how you optimize that time, whatever time you have. If you're not present, essentially you're squandering the time. And what mm -hmm. that simply means is, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, you can have time, but you're regretful about something that just happened or you're yeah. worried about something that hasn't happened yet. And that's how people spend a lot of their time. And it's so painful to be in that space that oftentimes we need to distract ourselves. So then we'll start, you know, scrolling and that's how we end up wasting our time. Mm. And when you're present, which is something that needs to get cultivated from the inside out, um, it allows you to, to be more discerning in how you use that free time that you happen to have. Mm. So... Um, you may think the most important thing is to send an email or the most important thing is to scroll or the most important thing is to watch TV or watch the next episode as you're binge watching something. But the most important thing may be calling up your mom or playing with your kids or, you know, doing something self-care related, meditating or going for a walk, being outside, all these kinds of things. And it's so easy to talk ourselves out of that if we're still caught up in what hasn't happened yet or what did happen that we weren't quite satisfied with. So once you start to feel more and more present in your life as a result of your inner practices. And I'm not talking about just meditation, although I'm a big proponent of meditation, but also just like gratitude, just being grateful. That's a practice that anybody can do at any time. Breathing is a great practice. Random acts of kindness is a great practice. Um, being of service in some, some way mm. is a great practice to get you more and more present. And once you start having those practices going and you start cultivating that stuff from the inside out, not only does it positively affect your physical state, but also your emotional state positively mm. as well as your mental state it, we this we're living in this hypnotic mode right because i hear you say there's so much more important things than than scrolling or sending that email when you have that perspective of being present because then you have perspective but in this hypnotic state of i'm just going to automatically reach for my phone i'm just automatically going to watch the next episode i'm just mm -hmm. automatically going to be in work mode when i'm back home with the kids how do we create that that space so you can even right within that space be like, oh wait, no, I don't want to do this. Is there a way that because I know that a lot of us, including me, sometimes are in the hypnotic mode? Mm -hmm. How do we create that space? Well, then I would I would say man, meditation is the way to sort of target that particular. It's kind of like if you want to do a pull up, right? If you want to do a pull up, there are some preparatory exercises that you can do to target the muscles that are responsible for doing the pull up, and so you can do you know, bench press all day long, it's not going to help you do a pull-up. Right. But if you do curls, bicep curls, that could help you because your biceps are engaged when you're trying to pull yourself up. And like that, if you want space, you want that moment, that pause, that beat just before you react, because that's what it is. It's a reaction to mm -hmm. a, to a, uh, some, some sort of, um, stimuli that's causing you to feel something, feel bored or feel angry or feel yeah. uh, anxious. 
And so the reaction is, let me pick up my phone and da 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 da. And it's yeah. automated because you've done it so many, you speaking generally, you've done it so many hundreds or maybe thousands of times. And so the way to, to disrupt that, that reaction is to pause. And so that's literally what meditation is. It's a pause. It's, it's a time for you to stop the doing and to practice being. And the reason why it can feel difficult for people in the early days, meaning the first you know, few times you practice it, is because you don't realize you're, you're establishing a new habit, but you're also breaking an old habit. And that's what makes meditation feel hard. It's not the meditation itself. Just literally sitting there with your eyes closed, that's not hard to do. It's breaking the old habit of constantly distracting yourself from the moment. That's what's hard. Because the body wants to, it's been trained by you to want to be doing something. I have, where's my phone? Pick it up. But you know, go do, occupy myself, be busy. And so that's all playing out. And as you continue to sit in that, you're literally creating spaciousness from the inside out. That's what spiritual minimalism means. It means spaciousness. Instead of worrying about clearing out your clutter on the outside, start to create more space internally. And then as a byproduct of that, you'll start to have that little pause that you want externally mm. just before you react. Now you may still react, but what increases is the lag time between the thing that offends you and the, the reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And that's not just for picking up your phone and watching the next- Anything. That's, that's more even in relationships too, right? Absolutely. You know, that's like, where it comes. That's, that's really <laughs> the- the, the the field test of you know or the stress test to what you've been cultivating if yeah. it's really there or not that's why Ramdas says you know it's easy to be Buddha when you're at your home but try being Buddha when you're around your family that's the true test yeah. of how much this stuff is stabilized yeah so cultivating a meditation practice to open that internal space mm -hmm. so outside you're able to make intentional pauses you're more in control of your life in many ways. Yes. You're not on autopilot. You're not in reactive mode of picking up, reacting, picking up the phone, picking up and, uh, the, the, the remote control to watch another show, arguing with your partner if he or she says something, which is a lie. I know a lot of people viewing and listening are like, wait a minute, hold on. My partner does say stuff and I get triggered so fast. Mm -hmm. So, which brings me to this. Meditation. You know, we, we've had, I've spoke about it on the show, the benefits, neurological, hormones, but just from the practical standpoint, people are like, I can't sit down. What do I do if I'm sitting there and my mind is going, I got to get up. I know I have to pick up the kids. What am I going to eat for lunch? How, because we come from this judging place of like, I'm not good at meditating. I tried it five times. How do we just bring more surrender, peace, compassion and be like, here's how it is. If there's any practical tips, here's how it is. Here's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And I can be with this. Yeah. So you want to look at meditation kind of like learning how to um, how to play the piano or how to swim or something. It's a skill. It's a skill that requires learning mechanics, learning fundamentals, practicing, drilling yourself, and then putting it all together. And as a result, you're able to compose something that's beautiful or you're able to have a delightful experience, right? Nobody expects to be able to play the piano after five lessons. You learn chords, you learn how to finger placement, you learn how to count and, you know, all the, those little things. But let's say you don't take any lessons and you just sit at a piano and you start playing. It's going to sound like crap. And you may conclude, oh, I have monkey fingers. <laughs> 
you know, my fingers aren't doing what I want them to do. They're not creating that beautiful music that I've heard that other people are able to do. And we have that same kind of understanding a lot of times when we start off meditating that I'm just supposed to be able to magically turn into Beethoven in my mind, right. you know, and be able to just compose these really beautiful experiences as I med- as I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. But all I'm hearing is a bunch of crap. But it's just a, when I hear that, when people say, oh, I have a monkey mind or my mind is all over the place, all that means to me as a longtime meditation practitioner and teacher is that you just, you, you, haven't, you haven't been, no one sat you down and explained the mechanics to you yet. Mm-hmm. And so the mechanics of the mind in meditation is the mind is going to be busy. You're going to have thoughts like, just like you can't stop your heart from beating. You can't stop your mind from thinking. It's just the nature of the mind. But what you can do and this was a shocking to me when I learned how to do this, is you can, you can transcend the busy mind. You can go beyond the busy mind. You can't stop the thoughts, but you can move beyond the thoughts, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so when I learned technique, when I learned style, because I had a teacher who showed me and spent like many hours with me teaching me, just like a piano teacher or a swim coach would spend a lot of time showing you the fundamentals and the mechanics um, he showed me how to effectively settle the mind. And what's interesting about this is we've all had micro experiences in settling our mind. And I'll tell you exactly when it happens because it probably has happened within the last 24 hours. It's, that, it's those moments where you're sitting on your bed or you're sitting on your couch and it's at the end of the day and you're trying to read a book or you're trying to watch something or you're listening to a podcast and you're in the, engaged in the activity, and then you reach a moment where time goes by and you're still on that same line in the book, or you've missed a big portion of the podcast, or the credits are rolling on the show and you don't remember what happened in the third act. But you're still sitting there. But again, it's the end of the day. So what does that usually indicate? The, the way we normally interpret that is, oh, I'm falling asleep, yeah. I'm getting tired. That's why I dozed off or I had a lapse, right? So anytime there's a phase transition between waking, which is what we're in right now, and sleeping, there's a loss of awareness. And when you meditate, you're experiencing another state of consciousness. We'll just call it the meditation state. And same thing applies. There's a loss of awareness. And it's the same kind of feeling. So when you're sitting there in meditation and you're thinking about the conversations, you're thinking about your to-do list, and you're thinking about you know, whatever's not happening, you can go two ways with that. You can either resist it because you have this expectation that your mind shouldn't be having this experience, in which case the volume of those thoughts is going to turn up. Or you can celebrate it. You can celebrate your thinking mind. At the very least, you can accept it. You can accept that this is the way of the mind. And as a result of that, the volume gets turned down. And that's the beginning of that transcendental process as the volume gets turned down to the degree that you can accept that you have a thinking mind. Mm. It's funny because ironically, the body, the mind, the human experience always wants that acceptance and surrender. And we have such a hard time surrendering just by virtue of the way we're constructed and conditioned is to go and go and control and control. Mm -hmm. So what a, a, a daily practice to learn, if not at least for 20 minutes a day, what surrender feels like. 
Do you find that when surrendering and the volume lowers and that transcendent state starts showing up, that in the waking life, it's easier to make decisions that I'm going to surrender. I don't have to control this. 100%. It's a simulation. That's what it is. It's a simulation. So it's not possible to have that experience very intentionally hundreds of times and not have it bleed over into your day-to-day life. So that's where it comes from. That's why I said meditation is the bicep curl for the pull-up of creating space in between your day. Mm. So without even trying to create space, if you practice that over and over and over, you'll find that your ability to pull yourself up is just like, it's just a natural byproduct of it. Because the last thing you want to do is be in a situation, be in the heat of the moment and have to convince yourself to take space. It's right. much harder. It's much more exhausting. Probably not even possible if you yeah. have to force it. Yeah. I mean, just imagine like having an argument with your partner and you're in the heat of the moment and you're going back and forth and then you're like, I got to go make take space. Mm-hmm. That energy to do the opposite of mm-hmm. like going forward with all that heat and moving away and retreating, mm-hmm. it takes a lot versus having that spaciousness, as you said, having that you know pull-up awareness in the, in the body going forth. I know I always talk about sleep, I do, but it's so important. Birch Mattress is my favorite bed across the board. They make mattresses that are crafted and organic with natural materials that have been sustainably sourced. Their mattresses are free of all those nasty, volatile organic compounds like polyurethane foams, which send fiberglass to the lungs or respiratory system and affect our overall health for the life of the bed. Birch mattresses are Green Guard Gold certified, which ensures us that we're not being exposed to any of these compounds. I've had my birch mattress for about two years. What I love most is how fast I'm falling asleep, how it's mildew and mold resistant, how comfortable it is, and really that I can sleep deeply without worry, knowing that I'm not breathing in any of those nasty chemicals. With your birch mattress, you get a 100-night sleep trial along with a 25-year warranty. The best part of it all is birch delivers right to your door for you in the United States. And it offers in-home setup and removal to make your buying experience as convenient as possible. I love my Birch mattress. I think you will too. If you're looking for a new bed, check out Birch Living. Visit birchliving.com slash heal thyself to get 20% off a Birch mattress plus two free EcoRest pillows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? You know, when you're kind of looping over and over in an anxious cycle and you don't know what you should do or what's good for you and you're kind of just stuck but you want to do something for yourself and this is why I'm always a proponent of talking you want to talk about it have that talk therapy to show you what's happening remember talk therapy is so powerful and valuable at showing you that there's a tree working in the body gets you deeper gets you deep into that somatic experience why is it powerful to express yourself through talking Well, again, as I mentioned, it shows you what is happening. You get to learn positive coping skills, really how to set boundaries, how to feel more empowered, how to move through different things, how to communicate better with your partner, with your coworkers. It teaches you the tools to really navigate what it's like to be a human. For better help, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. What you do is you fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. This is centered around you, for you to figure out what works for you, who works for you, and who you actually feel supported by to really get things off of your chest. 
To make your brain your own best friend, to get out of that loop, go with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DRG. Get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DRG. So a lot of people go, you know what? I had this meditation teacher. He said, or she said, an hour a day minimum or you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. But then I watched YouTube and someone else said, 15 minutes is all you need. Mm-hmm. We know time's an illusion. <laughs> but, but is there a, a rule of thumb that people viewing and listening can go by? Or is there a, a way to know, okay, like I'm good for today? Yeah. So another aspect of meditation that I think it's good to consider is that meditation is a very generic term. It's a catch-all term that's you, it's applied to so many different things, walking meditation, eating meditation, um, gyrotonic meditation, you know, whatever people want to apply it to, especially these days. And so depending on the activity that's being associated with the practice of meditation, it could very well be an hour-long experience. You know, you could do a walking meditation for an hour, or you could do an, uh, a breathing technique that's only five minutes, and that's very effective. And so it really depends. The style that I talk about in my book, Travel Light, which is more of a minimalist approach to meditation, what's been shown, if we're just looking at the science, let's say we're just looking at the science, okay, there's not a lot of science around walking meditation and uh, eating meditation and these other kinds of things. But if you look at seated eyes closed practices, which is how, which is 99% of meditation research has been done on seated eyes closed meditation practices which means you have to be in a chair or on a couch or perhaps on a cushion and you have to have your eyes closed, right? Those practices, usually the ideal time is anywhere from 15 minutes to about an hour, okay? But going even more specific into that, there's a uh, effect that's commonly known in the meditation world as the relaxation response. Which, is, which has been shown in study after study to be the opposite of the stress reaction, which I think is what most people want to experience in meditation. Instead of becoming more stressed, more anxious, more depressed, you want to be less all of that. And so that's what the re- relaxation response effectively is. In fact, it's been shown to be able to rest the body two to five times deeper than the deepest sleep you can get at night, mm. minute for minute while you're engaged in that practice. The longest it can last is 20 minutes. So even if you want it to go 40 minutes, you're only getting about 20 minutes worth of concentrated benefit. And then after that, you're just resting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, when I teach and I um, give people meditation instructions, I just say 15 to 20 minutes is ideal. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then if you can do that in a way that feels relatively delightful and enjoyable, you'll have a practice that that ends up enduring for the rest of your life. If you try to do 40 minutes an hour, you'll have a practice that endures for about a week. Right. And then you're going to stop doing it because it's not that enjoyable. Right. Right. And it's such a and you're not a monk. And you're not a monk, right? We have we do have things in yeah. in this society in this life and 15-20 minutes is so doable. Mm-hmm. Cuz we scroll for that much. It's yeah, a it's a scroll session. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um when we when we're in that state, um and, and we're feeling that 20 minutes, let's say we do 30 minute meditation, mm-hmm. that 20 minute deep rest, deep response, deep 
connection to ourselves. If we do it every day, is it a cumulative effect or is it okay to do it once a week? You know, it, 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 I want to know, like, are we still going to compare it to working out, right? Yeah, yeah. Consistency, building that muscle. Because yeah. some people are like, oh, I meditate once a week. That's all I need. Right. And I'm like, really? That's, do you find benefit with that? You know? So the way I like to approach these kinds of, of questions, because they're very common questions, is I like to reverse engineer. Okay, so what is the benefit that everybody wants to have in meditation? Well, just hypothesize they want to feel more peace. Yeah. Or they want to feel more happiness or they want to feel more fulfillment inside. Yeah. Okay. So let's say let's take meditation off the table. Why doesn't why don't people feel that now? Like what's stopping you from having that experience? Mm. So there's another catch-all term, which you're very familiar with in your work, which is stress. So stress implies any any type of reaction that you can have that is associated with anger, sadness, fear, boredom, maybe even maniacal behavior. Mm -hmm. So all of those emotions will trigger the stress reaction in the body. And the stress reaction, as we said earlier, is the opposite of rest. And so in the stress reaction, that's where you start to get cortisol, you start to get adrenaline. Adrenaline is super stimulating. Cortisol is also very stimulating, but it's also known as the worry chemical. So a lot of times, when you're tossing and turning in bed at night, thinking about, obsessing about things that haven't happened or things that happened in the past, that's a byproduct of you having concentrated amounts of cortisol mm. in your bloodstream. And so that leads to poor sleep. There are a lot of people out there, they can have the most beautiful Tempur-Pedic mattress, you know, $5,000, dark room, blackout curtains, 69 degrees, the whole thing, and they still can't sleep properly at night because it's an inside job. The cortisol is in there stimulating them, telling their bodies that you're about you're getting attacked by a bear right now and the body's not going to rest when it thinks that it's under attack. So there are varying degrees of stress that are taking place on a daily basis that are keeping you from being present, feeling peaceful, being fulfilled, feeling happy, and all the things that we want. So in order to do to, to break through that, we have to match the same degree of, of uh, input. So if the stress input is at a six out of 10, the meditation input has to be at a seven out of 10. So meditation, the chemicals that get released during meditation that put the body into the relaxation response are like kryptonite to the cortisol and the adrenaline. Hmm. So it dissolves away under the influence of the meditation chemicals. So therefore, we can't just meditate once or twice a week, yeah. especially if we live high-stress lives, which most of us do in this modern world. And that's why meditation needs to become a daily activity. And I get people are busy, people don't necessarily want to be sitting there, and that's why you have to do it in a way that feels enjoyable. So you get it out of the I have to category and you get it into the I get to category, mm -hmm. along with coffee, cigarettes, whatever people are addicted to already. You don't have to twist anybody's arm to smoke a cigarette who's already a chain smoker. Right, right, you know? right. Or to drink coffee to someone who's a coffee addict. Mm -hmm. So we need, we need to get addicted 
to those meditation chemicals. And the only way to do that is to expose the body to them as often as possible. Mm -hmm. of, of course, and then the body will respond just like it does with the cortisol. Exactly. We're so used to the cortisol. Yeah. And I love to think about it that way. Six out of 10, do it at a seven out of 10 then because mm -hmm. you have to counterbalance it. Most of us are not counterbalancing anything and we're suffering more and more as we yeah. get older because the body's in that state over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I will say, yeah, after the first two weeks of like feeling uncomfortable, your your brain keeps going, your body doesn't feel like you want to get up. You're like, okay, now, now this is good. I want to reach for my phone, you know? Once you get past that, it, it becomes really like, oh, I'm looking for, like, I have to do this. I'm looking forward to this. This is amazing. This is, I get to do this. You're sitting down on the couch or, or the bed or the floor and you're getting into that state much quicker and you feel the physiological effect of your body. And that lasts for the rest of the day, at least in my experience, the more you do it. Mm -hmm. I, I would actually say it, it, it's one of the top, if not top things that you can do for free for your health, easy, only it takes us time and presence, as mm -hmm. you say. Um, so over here, Travel Light, your book, it says it right in the front, spiritual minimalism to live a more fulfilled life. You mentioned spiritual minimalism before, sort of like that clearing space internally mm -hmm. to go external. Uh, but what are some more tenets into this this description of something that you've have you coined the word spiritual minimalism? Because I never heard about it until it came out of your mouth. I don't haven't heard anybody else say spiritual minimalism, but it doesn't mean that I'm the very first person in right. history. Someone in Russia could be talking yeah. about it right now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. As far as I've seen in my circle, my my uh, connect community, I, I I haven't seen anyone else use those two words together. And it's really something that occurred to me over the last five plus years that I've been living nomadically. I used to live in LA yeah. uh, for like 16 years. And then in 2018, I moved out of my two bedroom apartment right down the street in Santa Monica into a carry-on bag. And I started living around, I know a lot of people are doing that now post pandemic, but yeah, I started doing that back then. And I just realized so many things that I had made assumptions about before, but they weren't correct assumptions. And so I developed these sort of principles from that experience. And so the principles are seven of them and they're just, just really quickly, they are prioritize and cultivate inner happiness. Like that needs to be top priority every day because that keeps you present. And then after that, make your most important decisions from your heart and not from your head. Mm. In other words, it's not that your head or your ego is bad or you should ignore it. It's just that you shouldn't let it decide what you're going to do with your life. You should let your heart decide that and your head can help you figure out how to make that happen. And then you treat life as though there are no throwaway moments. And I'm saying that quite literally, like whatever you're doing right now, if you're working in a toll booth, if you're standing in line in a grocery store listening to this, there's something in that moment for you. And it could just be you feeling gratitude in that moment or maybe you having a conversation with somebody and it's like in a, in a good movie you know in the best movies in the first 10 minutes of the movie they give you all the elements of what's going to be used in that movie so if there's a lightsaber as luke skywalker showed us in the first 10 minutes of star wars he's going to use that lightsaber at the end to defeat something or mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened so all the elements that are in your life right now are going to come into play at some point there's nothing arbitrary happening. Mm. Even the contentious relationships you have, people who are being very nasty with you, 
you practicing patience, you practicing having healthy, strong boundaries, you practicing being authentic in the face of all of that, mm-hmm. is going to come into play later when you start to become clear about your mission. And then we have give what you want to receive. Never walk around life expecting that it's going to be fair and that people are going to make you happy and that you're going to find fulfillment externally. That's not how it works at all. And if you run that experiment, you, it may last for decades, but eventually you're going to arrive at the conclusion that I am my own savior. <laughs> I have to find happiness within. I have to create fulfillment for myself. So the more you can start to do that er- the earlier, then you start to have more of what you'd said, control yeah. in your life, control of your experience. And then we have follow your curiosity. Don't worry about finding your purpose. Follow your curiosity. Your purpose will find you. In order to do that, your curiosity is never going to lead you to places that are going to make you more comfortable. So you have to find comfort and discomfort. And then ultimately that will give you, that will gift you with the seventh principle, which is the freedom of choicelessness. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't have all the options in the world. You have one option. It either is aligned with your heart or it's not. So there's that option and it's yeah. everything else. And everything else may look glittery and fun and exciting and interesting and on the surface may seem like that's the path to success, but if it doesn't feel right to you in that moment, it's not for you. Mm. It's so easy to, right? Like you just named seven principles where they're intuitively things that we already know. Yeah, I'm sure right now, on this podcast, someone goes, oh, that may kind of make sense, right? <laughs> it's, of course it makes sense. Yeah. It's so clear and literal and intuitive. Um, when you mentioned the head and the heart, it, that one really stuck with me because um, especially we as men mm-hmm. are so logical in the head. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for a lot of men, especially who haven't done that work to open their hearts to make decisions from the heart. So, Listen, there might be a lot of women who identify like that too, right? How do we start making decisions from the heart? How do we even feel into the heart? How do we know, like, someone asked me to do this and I go, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good. How do I know if that feels good to my body? Because a lot of us are so disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. See, we have two different gauges for what following our heart looks like. Yeah. So to people who are uh, more feminine, uh, they're, they're, they're predominantly feminine, they're heart may have them, you know, feeling more sentimental towards things, which of course puts men off to a certain extent, right? We don't have time to be sentimental about this. We have to get busy, do our work. For men, and every man can identify with this, following your heart means doing the right thing. It means being integrity with your word. Mm. It means when you state that you're going to do something, you follow through on that. That's what following your heart actually feels like for a man. And that's what's hard for men. You know, mm. we do it, we have to do it, but it's not easy doing the right thing because the right thing is oftentimes not the popular thing and going above and the beyond or doing, you know, going the extra mile usually is a level of effort that most people in general aren't, aren't applying to themselves. So to do that, it, it seems like, you know, I have to really, because nobody's watching perhaps, yeah. nobody's watching and, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for me. So that's how the heart speaks to men. And mm. I think that uh, when we start to realize that it's not the same for everybody, because a, a lot of times a woman will say to a man, you're, not, you're emotionally shut down. Right. But that's not true. He's not, it's just he experiences his emotions differently. Like he emotionally is tied to providing 
for his family. That's the most important thing to his heart. The worst thing in the world as a man is seeing the women, the women that you're caring for or that you're in a relationship with crying, feeling heartbroken, mm-hmm. being upset. That's like the worst. It just tears you apart. Right. And you'll do anything to not have to see that happen, to help them feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we when we start to realize that we experience emotions differently, then I think we can lean into that a lot more and mm-hmm. not feel emotion shame because we're not experiencing emotions or emotional states in the same way that the other sex is experiencing. Mm. That resonates so much because a lot of men go, yeah, I, you know, I can feel, but like, I'm not the most sentimental person that you're going to meet. Um, but the, when, when you frame it into the, this is evolutionarily how we want to show up as men, then the integrity piece comes in and it's, it's the, yeah, how am I showing up in this world? And you said, unpopular and sometimes more work to, to, to stay in alignment with integrity, heart, expression. And um, it, it's just such a, I can imagine how many times men have stepped into, this is easier. Let me just go this way. And then have betrayed their heart. Yeah. It's yeah. easier to go and get drunk. It's easier to go party. It's easier to, um, to not do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. you know, who's got time for all of that? And right. They're not even paying attention anyway. And, but, you know, so that's where, where it really comes into play for us. And it's very, can create a very powerful life when you start to really honor those, mm. those um, missions of your heart. Because mm-hmm. they all sort of tie to our personal mission. But in either way, you still have to have a connection to what is in your heart sure. in order to stay in that integrity. Yeah. And um, we, see, women call it passion. For men, it's a mission. It's a That's mission, but it's the same thing. It's the same energy on there. Yeah. Um, curiosity, you mentioned now. A lot of people, and I'm so happy that you talked about purpose and curiosity, because a lot of people are, go, I'm in this job, I'm 30 years old, and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I got here. And now I want to, I've been inspired by one of your guests or one of your shows, and I want to change, but I don't know what my purpose is in life. How do I find my purpose? You're saying, hold on, take a few steps back. Curiosity is your guide on this. How do we know what we're curious about? Because <laughs> so many of us are like, I'm curious about, I don't know, this article on tech. I'm curious about this. What is truly in our heart curiosity? What does that feel like? So I don't think we have a curiosity problem as much as we have a fear of other people's opinion problem, a FOPO problem, right? Because we're all naturally just curious about all kinds of things but we'll talk ourselves out of exploring this curiosity because it, it's not financially feasible or it's not a good use of my time because in the back of our mind, we've been indoctrinated to think that we always need to be productive at all times. So I don't have time to stop and smell the flowers. I don't have time to just stare at the clouds and look at different shapes. I don't have time to go to the museum and spend an afternoon you know, wandering around aimlessly, which I call uh, flaneuring in the book. And uh, and or playing with a little child or a puppy or something like I need to, I'm a I'm a man I need to be right. you know focused I need to be productive because the other guy is getting ahead of me and or I need to go out and find a partner and you know so we prioritize productivity activities and we discount the activities that don't have a clear uh, connection to success but I would argue that your curiosity is actually taking you down a more adventurous path to success for you, which means that 
what you feel lights you up inside. That is what ultimately is going to feel successful for you. It may not happen a year from now or two years or five years or 10 years, but at some point in your life, when you look back and you do the assessment, you'll feel that the highlights of your life were those times where you were more connected to the things that made you naturally curious. And maybe that's having a family. Maybe it's having a farm. Maybe it's having a business. Maybe it's going on a trip around the world. Maybe it's spending time in India, whatever the thing is. Um, and the other thing is we talk ourselves out of it because the path of our curiosity oftentimes is uncertain at the beginning, right? So we want to look at whatever our purpose, passion, mission is, we want to look at it as a 10,000 step long process. All you're going to see at any time is maybe 10 steps. That's it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the other 9,990 steps <laughs> um, until you get to the, you really get into the space where you've embodied it and you can look back, kind of like what Steve Jobs said at that famous commencement speech, you can only see the how the dots connect in hindsight. You can't see them uh, looking forward. So then he put himself in that calligraphy class and he did these other things that ended up being key and pivotal plot points to the development of all the things that he created with mm-hmm. Apple. And so we just have to understand that we're all Steve Jobs. Yeah. We're all our version of that. We're all Our lives are all playing out in that same way. And we can't connect the dots looking forward. We just have to presume that the things that are naturally making us curious are going to at some point come into play. And so that in and of itself is a practice, giving yourself permission to just take those next 10 steps. Mm -hmm. Even though it looks like it's not productive, even though it's, you know, all these things. And then one other point is, yes, you're going to be distracted. You know, you may find yourself curious about a thousand things at one time, but this is why... My principles are ordered in that specific way. Mm. If you prioritize your connection to your inner guidance, your inner guidance will tell you what's most important. Yeah. And so you'll have to then use a little bit of, of uh, discernment to say, you know, I'm, yes, I'm interested in the polar bears and I'm interested in how tall was James Brown and I'm interested in, <laughs> you know, if Alexander the Great was gay or straight yeah. and all these other things that I could be spending all day long yeah. going in rabbit holes. But I also am most interested in this other thing and I want to devote a significant amount of time to this thing. Mm. And getting clear internally by doing a meditation practice will will be a compass in in showing you yes okay hey pay attention to this that's pay your attention internal to this. gps yes internal gps yes. so a lot of us just have that gps on on standby it's on autopilot right now yes we're, all we got to do is just kind of shake it up rust clean the rust <laughs> off wipe <laughs> off the <laughs> dust and press play right mm-hmm. and then and then the discernment is is such a powerful part because what I find is the more that I'm connected internally the more that discernment becomes easier because mm-hmm. then I'm like Oh yeah, I want to know how tall James Brown was, but I want to learn how to paint this picture in the yeah. way that I want to more. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a perfect you right. know, thing. It's like it's when you're driving with your GPS, the GPS is saying turn right, but then you see something over in on the left and it's really interesting to you. You can go to the left because you know, guess what's going to happen? The GPS is going to reconfigurate. Right. And it'll still tell you how to... The destination is still the destination. Mm. 
So in your heart, you'll still feel that destination, even though you may deviate from the path from time to time. Mm. And that's the power of getting clear internally. You have to get clear internally first. Yeah, because it's going to keep Otherwise, bringing you. Otherwise, you just feel like I'm just all over the place. I'm just lost. And that's how people feel. Yeah, and that's how people feel. And, yeah. and I really think that that state is driving so much physical disruption and because- Anxiety. Anxiety. I'm not getting my life together. I don't know right. where I'm going. Right, we feel lost. Mm -hmm. Most of us feel lost without that GPS on play, on yeah. go, activated. And, and, and that also connects us more to the heart. And we also have faith because we know that there's something big, bigger than us mm -hmm. we're connected to. So when we're following our curiosity and it doesn't make sense, especially to someone who loves being super productive, mm -hmm. we go, okay, you know, I'm still gonna follow this. And you have that sensation, that, in, that intuition of let me follow that. And it's a beautiful thing because it's that piece of faith of like letting it unfold and just trusting that it unfolds in the way that will show you purposefulness. Yeah, I, I've got a nice little anecdote about this, um, if you have time. For sure. So I was I was in New York teaching meditation. This was a few years ago, it was several years ago, actually, like 10 years ago. And one night after one of my meditation trainings, I'm walking home and, you know, when I'm in this stage of my life, I'm primarily full-time meditation teaching, not really speaking a whole lot. I didn't even start writing yet. And so I'm always thinking, okay, how can I teach more people meditation? How can I introduce this practice to more people? How can I help more people, et cetera? And I'm walking through Union Square, right? You know, there's a Barnes and Noble at the north end of Union Square. It's like five levels. You know that one? I don't, I don't remember that one. I know Union Square though. Okay. It's been a while since I've been in yeah, New York like it's that. right off North 17th Street, okay. right on the north end. And it's like 9.45 at night. And I feel this internal guidance say, go into Barnes and Noble and get a Rubik's cube and then learn how to solve it. <laughs> and so I had been listening to my inner voice for many years at that point, And I just decided to go and follow it. And I went and got the last Rubik's cube and I went back to my Airbnb and I started going online learning how do you solve? I had no idea how you solve a Rubik's cube. Do you know how to solve a Rubik's cube? Hell no, I know. I don't even. I don't think I've ever touched one. Right. So, I thought you had to be a genius to solve a Rubik's cube. Right. You just look at it and just kind of figure it out. But turns out there's an algorithm. It's a sequence, and everybody who solves a Rubik's cube solves it using this sequence. So you just follow these. It's like a hundred steps, and you can so you memorize the steps, and then, and then the guys who are doing the competitions, yeah. they just. They're just getting Mastered. better and better yeah. at memorizing those steps. Yeah. They can do it in like five seconds. So um, so now I'm starting to work through the steps. And then my buddy, who's one of my friends who I'm always talking about business, marketing, and I, you know, different ideas about, he calls me and he goes, what are you doing? And I say, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. And he lays into me, what are you doing? You need to be figuring out how to teach more people meditation. Business. Yeah. You're wasting your time. So anyways, I went back to solving the Rubik's Cube and something occurred to me the next day. The way a Rubik's Cube gets solved, which I didn't know prior to this experience, is very similar to the way meditation works in the sense that you establish a foundation of rest and solve a Rubik's Cube, you establish the foundation first, you solve the bottom row first, and then you build on that. You solve the middle row and then you solve the top row and then all the sides come back together. So anyways, I made this really interesting connection that was interesting to me yeah. related to meditation and Rubik's Cube. And it just, it kept 
percolating. And then eventually I said, you know, I need to make a video about this. This is crazy. I need to show other people in a very simple way. So I got my point and shoot camera. This is before smartphones. I think we're on Blackberries at that time. And I created a video in my living room in Santa Ma in Venice and put it up on this new website called YouTube because that's back when YouTube had first started. And it went viral. Oh, cool. And then guess what happened? People start coming to learn how to meditate. Oh my God. Yeah, it started spreading through the meditation yeah, community. Yeah. That's how the heart works. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. how that GPS works. So it may appear as though it's taking you off your path, doing this thing that doesn't seem to be very productive at all, but it's also guiding you to some other more adventurous route along your path that's, that's going to end up placing you where you ultimately wanted to be but in a way that's not even in your imagination. Mm. And so I learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I learned, so, you know, problem solving. I learned how to create a video. Now I create videos prolifically. You know, I learned the, how, to, how things go viral. I learned all these different skills in that process that I was then able to apply to my professional life and my personal life mm. down the line that I probably wouldn't have done if I had just been focusing on, okay, I need to run more ads or I need to do this or I need right. to do that right. for right. marketing. It's, it's sort of that just having that internal voice being able to lead you and guide you because you were connected to it because I never passed a Barnes & Noble and said, go get a Rubik's Cube. Or, yeah, right? but so, you probably had your version of that. A different version of it. Go in the store and get a baguette or go I, here. I'll you know, it's so crazy, man. I just, the pigeons. Yeah, something. yeah. I, I walked past the store and I, I was like, I had to go home because I had to like finish all of this content that I wanted to do to send mm -hmm. to the team. And uh, um, this was just this week. And I passed this place on um, Rose and it, it was a new place and I had a kimono on on the front of it and I walked past it and I felt yeah speaking my language right I was like oh that's a nice kimono but I'm like it's on rose it's probably triple the price right, that, right, right. and I stopped and like my body's like go back uh, in there go back it. in and that's I was what like it feels like it, 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 it's like we've I all had that feeling exactly we don't always honor it no we rarely honor it I went in there I spoke to the person there for an hour we were just vibing on so much stuff. I was doing fashion shows with all the kimonos in there. They were taking pictures. It's like I made a fantastic friend just from opening the possibility that I don't maybe have to do this right now and I'm going to listen to my intuition. And who knows how that's going to play and out. And who knows how you it's going to play in out. in Thailand a year from now. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And you run into this person. Exactly. And they happen to know the diplomat of this or that. And right. you know you're in the president of Thailand's yeah. private estate exactly. you know, having some other experience exactly. because you went in that store. You That's see? how it works. You see, this is this is how and it, it and it is beyond the level of imagination that I can even think about. We just we just surrender that I'm gonna listen to what that's the only responsibility we have to feel. I bought that kimono. And it, and it was a you nice one. On. Oh, you better believe it. It's cheetah print. Uh, um, uh, what's it? What's it? What's a, What's the? Um, you know when they wrap cars and it's like a hologram. Yeah. Like that. That sort of dude. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like a matted, yeah. luminescent vibe. Oh my yeah. god. I, I don't know. I love. I love kimonos, bro. Okay. Uh, anyway, but the the point is, like you were saying, just truly listening, and and being guided by that. Like, dude, I stopped on. Like, stop me put a brakes on and I was like, go in there. And I was like, I don't want to go in there. It's like, go in there. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I love that. We have this book, Travel Light, and literally the book is light. How many pages are in here? It's like 200 pages. 200 pages. This is like a this is like a And it's made book. to be, it's, it's not written to be read from cover to cover. It's made to be experienced how people actually 
experience books. So first time you see a book that you like the cover, you pick it up and what do you do? You flip it to the middle somewhere and you just kind of flip around and yeah. that's how it's made to be read. Yeah. You just flip it open, your heart will tell you what you need to read in there. And that, so just go where your eye lands and start reading from there. That's perfect, man. Um, I, I I feel very fulfilled by this conversation. Man. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been meditating on and off for so long, but now I'm like, no, 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 Christian, more consistency. And you know, your groundedness, your presence, what you want to bring to the world. The seven steps are so, I'm blown away how easy they are yeah. and how attainable they are. They're easier said than done. Easier said than done, right? Because all of a sudden we have it on our whiteboard and we're doing it for a week and then we're like, oh, you know, I missed number five and four yeah. and three this week and this month. But it's, it's the practice of like getting those new habits in, as you yeah. said. So all of the viewers and listeners, I'm gonna challenge you right now. One, get the book. Put those seven things on a whiteboard. See if you see if it aligns with you. Start following it. Start a meditation practice, like you said, fifteen to twenty, thirty yeah, minutes. I'll show you exactly what to do in the book. Exactly what to do. This is your this is your new guidebook for this. And man, how can we find all of your information? Where do we find you? The main hub is my website, lightwatkins.com, and then on the socials at lightwatkins. Okay. Everyone, go check it out. Follow, get grounded, get in the meditations, get in the meditation sit stance, the eyes uh, closed, connect to the body. Have this as your guidebook. Travel light, man. I appreciate you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming Thank on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm honored.